0: You're listening to Purpose Inspired, a podcast series by myself, Wayne Visser. This season is based on my book, Sustainable Frontiers, Unlocking Change Through Business, Leadership and Innovation. Unlocking Change Through Integrated Value Creating Shared Value, Revolution or Clever Con? Many argue that CSR and sustainability are not the way to unlock change. I have been one of the critics, while still believing that reform is possible. More recently, however, the most vocal critic has been Harvard professor Michael Porter. The capitalist system is under siege, he claimed in an article in Harvard Business Review in 2011, co-authored with management consultant Mark Kramer. In recent years, business increasingly has been viewed as a major cause of social, environmental and economic problems. Companies are widely perceived to be prospering at the expense of the broader community. Even worse, the more business has begun to embrace corporate responsibility, the more it has been blamed for society's failures, according to Porter and Kramer. The problem is that companies remain trapped in an outdated approach to value creation. They continue to view value narrowly, optimizing short-term financial performance in a bubble while missing the most important customer needs and ignoring the broader influences that determine their longer-term success. As far as solutions go, Porter and Kramer see CSR As something of a red herring, despite the authors having written previous papers in Harvard Business Review, extolling CSR as a route to competitiveness. Now they see CSR as a mindset in which societal issues are at the periphery, not the core, and a reaction to external pressure, which has emerged largely to improve firms' reputations. By contrast, they argue that the principle of shared value involves creating economic value in a way that also creates value for society, by addressing its needs and challenges. Businesses must reconnect company success with social progress. Shared value, they say, is not social responsibility, philanthropy or even sustainability, but a new way to achieve economic success. It is not on the margin of what companies do, but at the centre. This redefinition of corporate purpose from profit maximisation to shared value, which the authors claim is starting to be embraced by the likes of GE, Google, IBM, Intel, Johnson & Johnson, Nestle, Unilever and Walmart, requires a far deeper appreciation of societal needs a greater understanding of the true bases of company productivity, and the ability to collaborate across profit and non-profit boundaries. And how can companies create shared value? There are three distinct ways, according to the authors. By reconceiving products and markets, redefining productivity in the value chain, and building supportive industry clusters at the company's locations. Each of these, they say, is part of the virtuous circle of shared value. Improving value in one area gives rise to opportunities in the others. Porter and Kramer are keen to emphasize that shared value is not about sharing the value already created by firms, a redistribution approach. Instead, it is about expanding the total pool of economic and social value. They illustrate this with the example of cocoa farmers in Cordova, where fair trade can increase farmers' incomes by 10-20%, to while shared value investments can raise their incomes by more than 300%. If we succeed, Porter and Kramer believe, this shared value approach will drive the next wave of innovation and productivity growth, reshape capitalism and its relationship to society, and legitimise business again. However, the question is whether CSR and CSV, or creating shared value, are really different. In fact, CSV, is it even a new concept? Or just old wine in new wineskins? Porter and Kramer also argue that CSV is more preferable than fair trade. Is that true? I want to tackle some of these questions as well as reflect on the true value of CSV and the future of CSR. The first thing to place on record is that CSV reflects an evolution in Porter and Kramer's own thinking. After a career spent focusing on economic competitiveness devoid of any consideration of social impacts, Porter teamed up with Kramer in 2002 To write about the competitive advantage of corporate philanthropy which they then reframed in 2006 as strategic csr hence csv is their third foray into the field of social responsibility which rather ironically and explicitly disparages the previous two the second point is that csv is nothing new at the very least we can say that it strongly echoes the work of C.K. Prahalad and Stuart Hart on serving markets at the bottom of the pyramid, the so-called BOP model, as well as the idea of supporting inclusive business, something into which the International Finance Corporation has channeled $7 billion over 80 countries since 2005. It is somewhat disingenuous and poor academic form that these foundational concepts were not even acknowledged by Porter and Kramer. The third aspect of CSV that I take issue with is the way in which the duo characterize corporate social responsibility. I agree that some companies are still practicing an immature form of CSR, which I have called CSR 1.0, that is defensive and risk-based, philanthropic-oriented and PR-driven. However, numerous companies have moved on to a fourth stage, strategic CSR, as exemplified by the ISO 26,000 standard, and some have even gone beyond that to what I call transformative CSR, or CSR 2.0. Not content to discredit social responsibility alone, Porter and Kramer also launch an attack on the fair trade movement, which they say is mostly about redistribution rather than expanding the overall amount of value created. By contrast, they say, CSV focuses on improving growing techniques and strengthening the local cluster of supporting suppliers and other institutions in order to increase farmers' efficiency, yields, product quality and sustainability. This leads to a bigger pie of revenue and profits that benefit both farmers and the companies that buy from them in fact these aspects are integral to the work that the fair trade foundation seems to have been conveniently overlooked having said all that if my short critical tirade has given the impression that i am against csv allow me to set the record straight i am a csv fan and here are the reasons why I believe it has injected a new energy into the CSR movement. It has cleverly changed the language of social responsibility into the language of value creation, which business leaders can better understand. And it has challenged the narrow definition of corporate purpose to go beyond profit maximization. What is more, it has rightly advocated for a better alignment between a company's core strategy and the social problems that it can have an impact on. At the end of the day, I'm less concerned about the labels we use, be it CSR, BOP, corporate citizenship, sustainability, or CSV, and more interested in whether the concept and practice are holistic and transformative. This means business has to embrace what I described in a previous episode as the four DNA elements of responsibility – value creation, good governance, societal contribution and environmental integrity. It also means that applying creativity, scalability, responsiveness, locality, and circularity to the business solutions are a way to respond to society's needs. And yes, it means calling for a transformation of capitalism, which I am pleased to see – and Kramer agree with. Creating integrated value beyond CSR and CSV. My criticism of CSV is that it does not go far enough. It is actually a rather narrow concept, focused on the win win areas of when social and economic value overlap. I believe the next step, the evolution of CSR and CSV, if you like, is creating integrated value, or CIV, which I've developed with global quality expert and author of Integrated Management Systems, Chad Kaimel. Integrated value is a concept and practice that has emerged from long tradition of thinking on the role of business in society. It has roots in what many today call Corporate Social Responsibility or CSR, Corporate Citizenship, Business Ethics and Corporate Sustainability. These ideas also have a long history, but can be seen to have evolved primarily along two strands. Let's call them Streams of Consciousness, the Responsibility Stream and the Sustainability Stream. The responsibility stream had its origins in the mid to late 1800s with industrialists like John D. Rockefeller and Dale Carnegie setting a precedent for community philanthropy, while others like John Cadbury and John H. Patterson seeded the employee welfare movement. Fast forward a 100 years or so and we see the first social responsibility codes start to emerge such as the Sullivan Principles in 1977 and the subsequent steady march of standardisation, giving us SA 8000, ISO 26000 and many others. The sustainability stream also started early, with air pollution regulation in the UK and land conservation in the USA in the 1870s. Fast forward by a century and we get the first Earth Day, Greenpeace, and the UN Stockholm Convention on Environment and Development, all in 1970s. By the 1980s and 1990s, we have the Brundtland definition of sustainable development, the Valdez Principles, later renamed the Ceres Principles, and the Rio Earth Summit of 1992, tracking through to standards like ISO 14001. As these two movements of responsibility and sustainability gathered momentum, they naturally began to see their interconnectedness. Labour rights connected with human rights, quality connected with health and safety, community connected with supply chain, environment connected with productivity, and so on. The coining of the triple bottom line of economic, social, environmental performance by John Elkington in 1994 and the introduction of the 10 principles of the UN Global Compact in 1999 reflected this trend. We also saw integration start to happen at a more practical level. The ISO 9001 quality standard became the design template for ISO 14001 on environmental management and OSAS 18001 on occupational health and safety. The Global Reporting Initiative and the Dow Jones Sustainability Index adopted the triple bottom line lens. Fair trade certification incorporated economic, social and environmental concerns, and even social responsibility evolved into a more holistic concept, now encapsulated in the seven core subjects of ISO 26000. At every stage in this process, there have been those who have challenged our understanding of the scope and ambition of corporate responsibility and sustainability. Ed Freeman introduced us to stakeholder theory in 1984, John Elkington to the triple bottom line in 1994, Rosabeth Moss Kanter to social innovation in 1999, Jed Emerson to blended value in 2000, C.K. Prahalad and Stuart Hart to bottom-of-the-pyramid inclusive markets in 2004 and Michael Porter and Mark Kramer to creating shared value in 2011. Typically, these new conceptions built on what went before but call for greater integration and an expansion of the potential business to make positive impacts. For example, HART's Sustainability Framework incorporates pollution prevention, product stewardship, base of the pyramid and clean tech, which together create sustainable value. Emerson's blended value, much like Elkington's triple bottom line, looks for an overlap between profit and social and environmental targets while Porter and Kramer's CSV focuses on the synergies between economic and social goals. The how-to of integration Integrated value takes inspiration from all the thought leaders and pioneers that have gone before and tries to take the next step. CIV is not so much a new idea, As the long standing trend towards integration and the ubiquitous call for embedding of standards testifies, but rather an attempt to work out the how to of integration. When companies are faced with a proliferation of standards, for example, Standards Map alone profiles over 150 sustainability standards, as well as the multiplication of stakeholder expectations, how can they respond? I have analysed some of the most important global guidelines, codes and standards covering the social, ethical and environmental responsibilities of business. Standards such as the UN Global Compact, the OECD Guidelines for Multinational Enterprises, ISO 26000, the GRI Sustainability Reporting Guidelines, the IIRC Integrated Reporting Guidelines, SA8000, the UN Business and Human Rights Framework, and the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. What we see are large areas of overlap in these guidelines, codes, and standards across what I have called the squelch issues, namely, for S, safety and social issues, Q, quality issues, E, environmental, economic, and ethical issues. L, labour issues, C, carbon or climate issues, and H, health and human rights issues. Our experience of working with business shows that most companies respond piecemeal to this diversity and complexity of squelch issues. A few large corporations use a management systems approach to embed the requirements of whatever codes and standards they have signed up to. Even Then they do so in silos. One set of people and systems for quality, another for health and safety, another for environment, and still others for employees, supply chain management, and community issues. CIV, therefore, is about knocking down the silos and finding ways to integrate across the business. In short, Integrated value helps a company to integrate its response to stakeholder expectations using materiality analysis, through its management systems using best governance practices and value chain linkages using lifecycle thinking. This integration is applied across critical processes in the business, such as governance and strategic planning, product or service development and delivery, and supply and customer chain management. And what about value? Most crucially, integrated value builds in an innovation step so that redesigning products and services, processes as well, to deliver solutions to the biggest social and environmental challenge we face are the ways that it creates new value. Integrated value also brings multiple business benefits, from reducing risks, costs, liabilities and audit fatigue, to improving reputation, revenues, employee motivation, customer satisfaction and stakeholder relations. Our experience with implementing and integrating existing standards like ISO 9001 and ISO 14001 convinces us that, in order for integrated value to work, leaders need to step up and create transformational goals. Without ambition baked in to CIV adoption, the resulting incremental improvements will be no match for the scale and urgency of the global social and environmental crises we face, such as climate change and growing inequality. One of the most exciting transformational agendas right now is the net zero, net positive movement, which extends the zero mindset of total quality management to other economic, social and environmental performance areas. For example, we see companies targeting zero waste, water and carbon, zero defects, accidents and missed customer commitments, and zero corruption, labour infringements and human rights violations. These kinds of zero-stretch targets, adopted by what John Elkington calls zero-noughts, defines what it means to be world-class today.